the one major difference that I saw was that for those productions that don't have budgets, they always expect you to go above and beyond. And most of the time when they expect you to go above and beyond, it's a thing of there's only so much I can do, you know? I've also found on like really low budgets, they don't really know why their quality might be bad if the location, for instance, was loud. But like, yeah. can't we make this place noisy? And we're like, no, we're in a yeah. construction site. I can't take out the construction site. And they're yeah. like, no, and we also want it tomorrow. Why can't you do this? So yeah, I feel like the the bigger the budget, like more considerate um, when it comes to True. that. Hi, Mark here. And I'm Yaku. And welcome back to Department Spotlight. It's the show where we talk to our friends and colleagues about their experiences in the South African film industry. Today, we will be talking about sound design. So we have four of our friends and colleagues here to talk about their experiences in sound with all the different aspects. So I also do sound. I studied it at After Film School uh, along with everybody that we're going to have here. So let's get into it. My name is Piloyame Mr. P.D. Daunyani. I am an on-set sound recordist as well as an aspiring artist. I'm Melissa. I record on-set and I do post-production sound. Cool. My name's Kevin um, and at this point in time I am a junior sound editor. My name's Natasha and I do on-set and post for sound. To start things off, can you guys tell me why you got into sound and did you not see the memes? <laughs> <laughs> So for me, it was more of a, I got to film school, not too sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do LP, um, but I changed my mind along the way. And then as I bumped into all the options, uh, I fell in love with editing and sound. And uh, I feel like sound won over my heart. And that's how I actually started with sound. That's how I actually um, began with sound through um, this film school and actually learning more about it. I, I might say I did bump into some of the memes, but I didn't pay too much attention at the time. But it's, it's, it's proven to be a, a good journey thus far. For myself, I wanted to do editing. I was not about the sound life until I actually got to it. I still didn't like it because at film school, I did the classes. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just sound. And then it came to my first like post-production session. And I was like, this is actually amazing. Like just what you can do. Mm. And then I was like, well, I think I'm going to do this rather than editing. And I don't regret that decision. I guess we were all like similar in a sense where we wanted to do something else and then got like a pathway into sound. I was went there for music. I was a music guy and then it was just something in the sound classes clicked for me. And then I was just like, you know, I'd actually rather I enjoy this much more at this point in time. So I'm very much like Kevin. I also went to after to do music. And I already had gone my grade five in music. So when I got there, they were like, you're kind of wasting your time being here. So um, in sound, I actually took because I would learn more. And then I just ended up falling in love with it. Yaku. Yeah, yeah I also had a similar thing. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah, I, I did my undergrad. <laughs> I did my undergrad in sound design and visual effects. But I think for me, it was just sound is a very technical thing. And 
I tried directing and all these other jobs in first year in that, you know, when we got to like test out all the other things mm. and I got really bad marks, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. Um, but then I, you know, it was that thing where coming from, I, I'm from Bloemfontein and it was a thing oh, where same, you, yeah, you should. Same, yeah. Oh, really? I actually came back to Bloom for the for the lockdown. So technical stuff has always really intrigued me and I really like sound where you, because you're on set and you're in post and it's uh, it's a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see any of the memes actually before I started. I only started <laughs> seeing people that hate the sound guy or sound girl in yeah. like once I started doing it. So why do, why, where do you guys think that comes from? Why do people hate the sound guy? They don't know how important it is to the final product, I think. So they're all visuals, visuals, especially on set. It's all about yeah. the camera. It's all about yeah. how they think they can cut it together. And then mm. later they get to post and they're like, oh, yeah, sound. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, but I feel like more, it's, it's more of a, maybe they don't respect the aspect that they just hear audio. They think that's it. Uh, because they know shots involved or angles involved. They think, okay, now nah, just hit record, you're done. I feel like that's why people disrespect sound a lot uh, because they feel like there's, there's not much to it, but they, it's, it's, it's a whole nother world. Yeah, they say sound is 50% of a production and me and Yaku were speaking a while back and we think that it's perhaps even more um, yeah, 50%. Yeah, definitely. You realize how definitely. important it is. Mm. Maybe let's go into, do you guys prefer onset? in production or post more where do you where do you guys love to work in magic well personally i've, I've fallen in love with onset i prefer onset more than post just because they're the live action itself uh that, that's just me i prefer post-production because i feel like now it's my time to work with it i prefer mm. to have been the the onset recorders as well so i know that it's fine what i'm getting um mm. but i definitely i prefer like the creativity that you get in post-production kevin and Alyssa yeah. being like really um, quiet they're like <laughs> contemplative i like i like being in a dark room so posters for me <laughs> I like, it's just you get to like accentuate things more you get to like play around with things more you get to like marks it as like the 50 percent that you get to put like your stamp on so that's why i prefer it um i think like so last year i basically i only did post-production and you do miss it like when i finally got back onto set it was like you feel at home so i don't think i have a favorite it's like if i spend too much time on set i want to be in the dark room if I spend too much time um, in the dark room I want to be on set yeah definitely I I mean I, I don't think I would be able to do just post um, that I mean I love the post I really do I it's it's one of my favorite things to do but if I if I don't get to also be on set ever I don't think I'd be able to stay of keep being a filmmaker i don't i don't <laughs> that's something that that i've realized let's let's talk about onset first because um, i know all of us have the experience of doing the sound um on onset what are some of the most sort of difficult situations that you've had to record in um for me personally because i've worked on uh magic film working in the township is very difficult because you cannot control any element except for the 
what maybe the street you're working on but besides that you can't control anything else so it's it's very hard it's very hard uh, but you, you try by all means to you know work with what you have um, <laughs> try and get your AD to assist as well uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's a very difficult situation, especially working in the township. Yeah, I can think. I mean, is, I mean, I, I, I have very little little experience in a township. We once shot, um, I was actually, I was the VFX guy or I was VFX assistant, but we shot in, in like a informal settlement and there's just so many uh, people moving around. Yeah. yeah, it was like this sort of action movie type thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, Mark was on, I even forgot yeah. Mark was on that. <laughs> Um, but really? yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, I, I remember thinking like, I'm so glad I'm not the sound on this. <laughs> <laughs> we once shot in a factory. Well, we a once worked in a, in a, in a, I don't even know what they were making, but the, all the machines were on. We couldn't have them turned off. So all the sound was basically unusable. So that was a nice ADR session. Session. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I shot in Kempton Park Hospital and it's empty. It's, there's nothing in there, like reverb for days and um, no windows. So interior sounded exterior. So that was my graduation film. The whole thing was just ADR, like couldn't use any of it. Um, I think the most difficult I had was probably last year for my honors film. We shot... Um, a film in like a rural area and the house we shot in was like a small, like the house was the size of a small bedroom. So that was like the size of the room itself was the most difficult to deal with. Cause like you have your cine and your director. And then I think there were three actors. I'm a kid as well, which is also a difficult aspect in itself. And that was, it's just like, there's no room to move. There's no room for error at all. And it was just, super difficult but it was a fun set though so in that situation who who did you dictate that would stay on set or in the room itself and who had to leave uh we set up the dirt and stuff outside in this like second room and then made sure we spoke to the ad and told them like only three people on set or, or four people are or the, the actors mainly and then me cine and then first cine assist so like that was the the, the director wasn't even on set. She had to go and watch it in the room next door. So that's how small it was. Mm-hmm. Well. So maybe a few questions that come from that. Obviously, sometimes you just have to make do as is the way of filmmaking. But what are perhaps some considerations that can happen in pre-prod where I know, especially in film school, a lot of people like didn't consider sound in the pre-production phase when they're sort of, for example, choosing location and you get to location that's like, well, we can't use any of this, um, as Natasha said. And so what, what, what are some considerations that can perhaps be made in pre-prod for sound? Well, from my point of view, um, I told them every location, Scott, we go and I want to be there. I want to like say in it. Um, we went to about four locations or five, maybe, I don't remember. Um, but a lot of them wouldn't allow us to shoot on it. And then the one, then we had like two final ones that were set and then the one fell out. So we had to shoot in this one. So like from that point of view, it's like the best thing you can do is go with to location scouts. 
and dictate like and check your surroundings and go on specific days to find out if there's like a school that's down the road that might happen or if there's construction nearby etc etc type of things like that it's like you as a sound guy need to dictate to yourself and to the crew in a way that like lets them know that it's just as important to you as it is to them for this to happen yeah i mean i shot at like a really big house once and it was super super reverberant um it was like concrete flooring like no carpets no anything there was a big metal art piece in the corner super reverberant so yeah if i didn't go on uh, location scouts i wouldn't have brought a metric a lot of sound blankets and shit and i just put them everywhere they're everywhere like all the bts is just blankets on the floor blankets on the walls in every single part of the the room that wasn't in frame i just like we need to cover this up we need to do something about it that's a good tip i think as well like if you if you like exactly what Natasha is saying, like do if do what you can, even though it's it's not uh, ideal. Ideal, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. But I think the the, the pre part is mandatory. But from from my side, it's been a bit different because the bulk of the work I've done leaving after has been more corporate and like working for NGOs and stuff. So when they call me up, it's more of a I'd get the call maybe three days before. And I'll get maybe the call sheet maybe a day before. So there's not much pre-pod I can do. Uh, mm. So it also, pre-pod helps a lot, man. Uh, it, it, it really helps a lot, especially if you have the time and the place and you know what's going to happen and you know where the location is. Uh, it helps a lot. But in my situations, it's, it's been more of a, okay, I get on set, have to assess the situation and do the best I can with what I have. And it's been a, a hassle, but it's a learning curve as well. I've, I've learned a lot from it. Um, I want to agree with Mr. P because I've been working as a production manager also on Mzanzi films. Mm. And they kind of, they choose the location because it's convenient for the crew, like mm. where they live and aesthetically. They don't think of mm. sound. They get the sound person like a few days before. Mm. And then... That's true. That's true. The as soon as they arrive on set, that's the first time they're seeing yeah, that's the location. Yeah. If if you're working more contract or freelance, you don't have a say in pre-prod. You're just True. technical crew that come True. on the day. Mm. Uh, especially also with all the camera assistants and that you get called one or two days before and you have to figure it out on the spot. Mm. You guys were speaking about um, go, like going on these sets and stuff. Uh, let, maybe let's talk about equipment quick. Um, if you could, like, when you go on these shoots, what do you prefer? What do you tell them? Um, do you just take like a shotgun, or do you like to lapel each person? How? What in terms of equipment? Um, what do you guys personally? Like? I've I've seen they go prepared with everything, <laughs> lapel, shotgun, everything. Mm -hmm. it, it works best. Because uh, especially the situation me and Alyssa have been speaking about where I get on set, I don't know what ha what's happening. Obviously, you read the script beforehand, but you don't know what they're trying to shoot first and whatnot. Uh, so just be prepared. So have everything mm -hmm. on deck. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you just like record everything separately as much as you can. Yeah. Basically. So Natasha was saying that she used blankets to stop reverb, for example. Um, mm -hmm. And you guys are saying that is sound guy you guys have 
sort of been called like three days before. Um, mm. So do, do you have anything, maybe it not, maybe it's not a, a material object or maybe mm. it's just like an approach that you go with to approach those sort of unforeseen circumstances, may they arrive? Is there anything else you have in your toolkit? Um, I feel like the only way you could prepare for such things if literally you went location scouting. But in such situations where they call you three days before, your basic tools or your actual device is the only thing you can prepare, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and having all your recording equipment, that's your preparation. Uh, so I'll give you an example, uh, getting a call two days before and you, like, like she said, you're shooting in a factory, you're not too sure whether you can ask them to um, switch off the machines. You're not too sure whether you'll be shooting in a small room or not. Uh, where you can use blankets to uh, stop the reverb. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very tricky situation where you, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really think you can actually have something you say, okay, uh, you could have blankets in your car already, have, have them prepared for such a situation, if that's what you mean. I, I think that's, that's possible. You could always have blankets in case there's a room that you can actually use them in. But, yeah, your, 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 your recording devices are... Pretty much it. I think in my experience, um, there have been moments where clients have asked me to boom and I'm like, cool. And then I get mm. there and I can't actually boom because the cameras are constantly moving and I'll constantly be in shot. So yeah. I've made this really shitty coat hanger wire shock mount for my microphone so that I can get them from below. <laughs> and I keep that in my car because I never know. People don't really think about all the logistics of everything. So True, I have yeah. that always on me. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, just make do with what you have. Doesn't matter what your budget is or where you are. Just just get the best sound possible. I mean, I I guess at the end of the day, for sound, you could always ADR. You know, it's it's not ideal, but uh, I mean, a lot of big movies used to just do ADR. You know, they mm. uh, would. Very because those cameras were loud, you know, those form cameras, yeah. especially in the beginning. So they would just get something to sync with and then just ADR everything. Um, so if we can speak about ADR, like I once shot under a highway, <laughs> literally there in um, Newtown, yeah, shot there in Newtown under the highway, and it's just, <laughs> you, what are you gonna do? You just get reference yeah, and then you, and then you do ADR. So if we're speaking about ADR, uh, what sort of uh, what are your techniques? Do you have any like sort of tips, or do you? How do you? How do you approach it? Uh, I normally make the director show up to get them back into character. A lot of the time, I've had actors come back and we're like, "Cool, uh, play, play the video. Okay, do you want to watch it again? Watch it again. Okay, now try, and we'll record and see if you get it." Um, and a lot of the time, it's completely different. I've had actors who just want to hear the line, hear how they said it, and then repeat themselves. I've had actors come on, we're just like, cool, you're not even, we can't even see your mouth, just say the line. And they say it completely flat, like, oh, it's you again. And we're like, no, you're happy. Oh, it's you again. And it's like, okay, director, <laughs> come come help me out, please. And I think, I think that's probably the most helpful experience I've had is just getting someone who can get them into the right headspace. It falls down to preparing your actor before 
um, sending them cue sheets, letting them already familiarize themselves with what they need to do. Also, like Natasha said, having a director, it's not always going to be the director, but sometimes it's uh, your producer, just someone who knows the script and knows the characters well enough to just give direction. That, that's actually really interesting. I haven't, I've, I haven't even thought about that, just sending the stuff to the actors before so they can practice on their own. That's genius, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, it that is. would make everything so much easier if they just know it already what they need to do. And like that's, prep that's your good. sessions, like have markers everywhere, have beeps and have tracks for every, like, Every sentence, not really, that's going to make your session a mess, but like for every character, have their own tracks, just separate it, keep it organized. Kevin, do you have any hot ADR tips? Because I'm in the same place Alyssa was, the cue sheets are the number one thing, like with time code exactly where the thing starts, like, and the three beeps thing is also a lifesaver because it gets them into this like rhythm. Uh, the three beeps is just like, like a one, two, three. And it's like it a like, countdown before yeah. they speak. And then it's like, so they like prepare themselves. And then an, another tip is um, mic setup and placement in the studio. So they're like yes. actors comfortable and they know where they are and they understand where the mic is and that they don't have, they don't look into the mic. They look at the screen where you're recording and it's all about preparedness, like preparing your session, preparing the mics, preparing volume and dynamics and, making sure that that's all correct. But like Alyssa said, the cue sheets are the, like, because they get them the day, like the director or producer will be like, cool, uh, we want to do ADR for these scenes, specific scenes. So then dialogue editor will go in and shoot, find the scenes and then find the exact time codes where they are and then send that out to the producer and then the producer sends it out to the actors. And then they have, like, I think it depends on the data, obviously, they have a certain amount of time to prepare. Awesome. Right. Um, perhaps going on from ADR is recording Foley. Any any tips there? Do you, what's your experience with recording your own Foley sound effects? <laughs> that type of vibe? It's Foley is a, depending on the type of film, if you can get a Foley artist in or if you can do it yourself, but like, the best tip for Foley is you don't need an expensive Foley stage. You can, if you can come prepared as much as you can with like all the different clothing that you need, like preparedness is the number one key to it. Because when it comes to mixing, you can still like clean it up and cut out external noise to an extent, obviously. But yeah, like Foley is a difficult one because obviously it depends on the type of film TV show that you're doing. Um, like from my experience that I've been doing, we didn't have a we didn't have a Foley artist for a while, so we only did we had to do take pre-recorded stuff. You basically um, dialogue editor comes to you and like they're like, okay, cool, this scene, this scene, this scene all need um, Foley, and then they're like, you'll go through it and you'll mark the session. You'll what they call spotting, so you like spot um, specifics where you need to put stuff, and then. You separate it into specifics, touch, um, specifics, clothing and feet. And then you go about that and then you have to sit and do the tedious job of 
syncing every single footstep, first finding the right sounding if it's pre-recorded, but if you get the like options have a Foley artist and go for it. But then you sit there and you have to edit and like this is the thing that I've learned the most in the past like five months is sitting and putting footsteps for every single foot that moves on the screen and it's super like it becomes can mm. become tedious but it's it's worth it at the end when you hear the final mix like it plays a pivotal part a footsteps part. for me is the hardest like i can never pull off footsteps like everyone like at sound surface they knew like Alyssa can't do footsteps because as much as I tried, I just, I never got it right. I don't know why. And I'm just now record footsteps on set really well. So I don't have to redo them for Foley. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, like when it comes yeah. to Foley, I always try to get on set. I don't want Same to spend here. time in Foley, especially because I haven't really worked on anything with a budget to get a Foley artist mm. in. So it's normally True. me. Yeah. If someone's not talking and they're walking, I'll boom their their feet. Yeah, I don't want to have to try to make the, the surfaces sound like they're the same yeah. thing. It's always much easier yeah. to try to get as much on set as possible. Yeah. Uh, if I may ask, so uh, a similar situation where on set I usually record my own Foley, but with post in mind because I don't do post. So let's say I, because I worked on a, on a web series recently, and I did exactly that, where on set I was recording all the Foley's footsteps, uh, doors opening, such things, you know. Uh, and I sent it in, logged and whatever. But when it gets to you in post, this is just a question from me to you as a post person. Do you even use the Foley I give you or you prefer to re-record? I'd always prefer to use the on set because it always okay. fits the scene better. Yeah, because then you have yeah. to, because if you're trying to do foley, you have to make it fit the surfaces and the size of the room, which you can do yeah, reverb, true. but it's just so much more time consuming. So if you have true. a good set recording, always choose the set recording. Yeah, because that's what I always try and do. Where whenever I'm on set, I try and get the extra foley with post in mind. No one has to ask me to do it; I just do it by myself. But I always ask myself, do they actually use it? In post because they don't tell me yo your foley was good or yeah 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 the footsteps <laughs> matched or you know it's just a, a me thing where i'm like okay for post let me just you know record the foley and send it through you mm. should like when you're recording it just be like okay this is foley footstep take one also tell me if you used it and then <laughs> <laughs> that's and a good idea <laughs> that's a good yeah. idea Actually, when um, from stuff uh, from the recent stuff that we did, uh, uh -huh. there was some stuff that where I, I like to do that as well. Kevin worked on on three of them. No, uh -huh. yeah, three two. of them with two, two of them with two us. Of them. And um, and uh, sometimes, uh, especially for because I did for the ones that he didn't do, I just did it myself. And I would sometimes there's a lot going on on sets and then you just forget to get some certain stuff and then I literally just go back to location if it's not, you know, somebody's grandma's house. But then I just go back to the location a few days later and then just record it again. Do you guys, if you if you get into that situation, do you, would you go back to the original location or do you just in your living room try to recreate, recreate uh, the Foley? Well, not your live in your stage or wherever you... 
you stayed here wherever you're shooting. Oh, I can't say much on Foley, but I can say something on, on, on what's this, on room tone, where I always try to get the room tone on set, but if I can't get it that day or within the week, I always try to go back and record it. I haven't done it with Foley because my, all my Foley has been done on set on the day we shoot. Uh, but with room tone, I have done it where uh, this, you, you get it at a later stage because I couldn't get it that, ta- that day. Yeah, cool. So talking about room, room tone, I think that might be the, the biggest source of all the memes. What happens when you forget room tone? And also, okay, wait, no, let's break it up. What happens when you forget room tone? Like uh, Pelayama was saying, uh, what happens when you forget? Do you just find a stock sound or try to find a stock sound? Uh, or do you just try to record it again? What happens uh, if you all, can't yeah. go back? You can't go back at all to the place. Wow. Yeah, I've never been in that situation where I can't go or where I have had to retake it and I couldn't go back to the location. But room tone is always my main priority uh, just because it's, that's the way we were taught. Uh, so room tone, I, and, I never, and I've been in multiple fights <laughs> with ADs because of room tone. But I, I was taught that room tone is king, you know, and I always make sure I get my room tone. No matter the fights, no matter if they tell me, okay, we give you a minute, I get it. Uh, so room tone, I make sure that I always get it. With stock ambience, it's layering. Get a good ambience library and layer indoor, outdoor, like interior, exterior ambience. It's, I think it's more in post-production creating that environment that you don't feel when you're actually on set. I think in my graduation film, we were shooting, I can't even, it's like a big drag race track. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was super windy and there were bugs and there were tractors in the distance. So all of my room tone didn't really match the dialogue at all. So I managed to like get snippets between their pauses and I built my own dialogue, my own ambience track. It was how but room tone was room tone was too much to like use i think it worked in like a few scenes when there were more interior but because of the wind and the bugs and the everything in the entire world making noise uh, Mm. it was too inconsistent Uh, so i ended up building it from like in between the dialogue yeah i've done that a lot (laughs) but not because not because the ambience didn't work just because i forgot to record it (laughs) that happens to me a lot (laughs) Um, I actually even, um, I forgot to record an ambience for one of these shorts that we did. And because mm-hmm. uh, we did all the post over like November, December. So, uh, so for December, I came back to Bloemfontein and then mm. <laughs> without recording the, the ambience. And I was like, oh crap. So I literally just used my kitchen for like that kitchen in that house. Or I mm. used our like backyard for the outside night ambience or whatever. And, um, but I've, at after I did so many Franken ambiences. <laughs> um, please hire me as a sound still. I, I promise I, I've learned <laughs> 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 to all the future employers out there. <laughs> so, okay. So we were t- touching a bit on stock sounds and stock ambiences and stuff. Uh, what are some of your guys' favorite, uh, libraries online? Um, do you pay for them? Do you try to use free stuff how, how do you how do you go about finding sounds online freesound.org hey, hey. 
<laughs> I think we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, I think it's called Sound Ideas has a pretty decent um, Foley, pre-recorded Foley sound um, library. And, like, the, the BBC library is free to the public now as mm. well. So you there's, can also download that. There's quite a few free things online, actually, weirdly enough. If you just search deep enough, you can find it. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's a guy I follow on Instagram, and he his job is to go record these libraries, and then oh. at the end of his shoot, then he'll upload a link on his Instagram where you can go download his link, like cool, of what yeah. he's recorded. Awesome. Yeah, I've I've been using. Um well, we started using Artlist for, just for music, for obviously all these YouTube videos and stuff. And uh, they recently added a sound effects library to that for like a, just a little bit extra. So I paid for that. It's still growing, so it's not as uh, in-depth as I would like. So that's what that's what we've been doing. I, it sounds like the simplest thing, but whooshes always... I mean, that's more sound effect. But whoosh, whooshes always sound terrible. I don't know if you guys have found this from... <laughs> from the library it's always like fiery whoosh or airy whoosh and then there's a ghost sound and it's like i just want the whoosh. that's it <laughs> you know what i mean you did it perfect now maybe we should record that just i should just do my own whooshes sound yes, just do your own. make your own library put that online <laughs> Going off from that, it's something we, we don't have in our questions here, but it sort of reminds me of what we're speaking about. Like whenever whenever I think about sort of sound designers making crazy sounds, I think of like Ben Burt and making his awesome Star Wars sound effects. And so maybe my question is, what's like the raddest thing that you guys have created out of just a bunch of scraps? You know what I mean? Like what have you sort of like, you know, you think about like the way that, a sound designer would be like, oh, that's actually the sound of an elephant that's been reversed and tossed this effect on. Like, what's the what's the raddest thing that you guys have made? Uh, an animation where, like, there was a gun that sucked out your soul and turned you into stone. And I was like, I don't know what this sounds like. I ended up using <laughs> salt being poured onto sand and then onto a teacup and then reverse and pitch shift and all these things. And it ended up sounding, like, really cool, like, I, I was just surprised it actually worked because I was like, ah, let's see. And it was just like salt with a whole bunch of things. That's so cool. That's so wild. Um, okay, I've never done it practically, but I remember I was watching a scene and I was like, um, I would love to try out singing and reversing it. It was, it was for a horror. Singing and reversing it and just trying to hear how it sounds. Maybe it would sound creepy. I, please don't steal my idea. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can use it's it, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's something um, I've always wanted to try. Where singing and then you just reverse that singing, try and make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds really interesting. I made like for experimental. We had a, like a floating orb that the sky follows, and I took different frequencies of color because the orb was made out of color. And I pitch shifted all the like tones to sound like the colors. And then it sounded like pretty cool and electronic and not something you could find on a stock library. Wow. 
Oh, that <laughs> reminds me. Like, I, I also did an experimental. I forgot about experimental for some reason. And they went into, like, a, a painting, and the painting was made of plants. Everything was plants. So I ended up finding recordings of um, people recording the electromagnetic waves in the leaves of plants. And I ended up using that. And it also was, like, quite electronic, but it was all plants. And it was just, what? it was very, it was very fun. Yeah. Awesome. I haven't really done any sort of like experimental stuff. I've, I've mostly, I've had a lot of fun though. I did that thing where you buy a bunch of, you know, carrots and lettuce and, and then you just like break them apart and pull them and slap them. And I did that whole thing. Um, one of those studios at after got so dirty, it was, <laughs> it was actually kind of funny, but, um, yeah, that's one of my favorite, um, memories from after as well just like mm. tearing apart all these like fruits and vegetables and slapping it and lifting up and throwing it and yeah it's all these things that you wouldn't even know goes into the film but you hear it and it makes a difference oh yeah speaking of experimental uh so my experimental film was based on time travel uh, and kevin <sighs> funny enough you you you're part of it right or were you part it wasn't of the time other... travel one your graduation? The band was your Yeah, graduation, not experimental, sorry. The but you were part of my your... experimental. Yeah, mm. but for graduation, <laughs> it was based on time travel. So, um, funny enough, the whoosh where he goes back in time, I incorporated breaths. Like, each time he goes back in time, it feels like he's taking his last breath. So, that's something I played around with as well. Well, mm, for graduation cool. for the animation I had to do because it was based about cancer cells in the body and Ivan gave me permission to record the inside of my mouth. <laughs> so that was the most like interesting thing I've ever got to do. Um, <laughs> sorry to have asked you has to use that mic ever again, but anyway. <laughs> Relationships with other departments, um, like I know one of my favorite um, collaborations, third year editing was um, with Kevin, because we'd just hang out and like he'd come sit in while I was editing and then I'd go send this, send the edit up to him and then I'd just, we'd just sit together and like we really had this cool like back and forth um, and we started sort of developing this like shorthand about certain things and I just wanted to ask maybe what's um what's a good relationship you've had with another department or perhaps um what's a what's a relationship you wish was stronger in terms of maybe post or production uh to make sound that's sort of uh not easier but sort of more smooth well for me especially when going back to Avda um in my third year, my relationship with my director was very strong. Uh, it was quite strong. So that bond actually helped me understand a lot of things, especially about what his perspective of the film is or was. And that actually helped me a lot. Now, when it comes to a relationship that I would have wanted to be a bit stronger was, as you said, one with the editor as well. But my problem is my editor would always um, come up to my session and try and tell me how to do things, which was... You know, it did not sit well with me at the time. You know, I I I I can what's this? I can accept uh, creative criticism where you like you're trying to better me, but not like in a sense trying to belittle me or 
made me feel like I don't know my job. So in that sense, I would have liked to have tweaked that. And if I, yeah, if that bond was stronger, I feel like the film would have been stronger as well. Um, I think there was this movie and it has not been released yet. There was a, the actress, the main actress, she's like suffering a sexual assault thing. And now I have a lav mic on her and I tell her like, I can just take it off if you want. I've known her quite a while before that and like spoke to her a lot on set. Um, and I think it really helped her to know it was me who was listening to her because um, she said, no, it's fine. Because uh, you need to like obviously make sure it's okay. Um, but I think the fact that she was like really comfortable with me also helped her just perform. Because I think some actors don't remember that they're mic'd. Some actors mm. will just kind of say whatever, whenever, and you'll listen and you'll be like, oh, that's a, okay. Um, but she was one of those actors who was always kind of like, I'm constantly being watched and listened. And I felt like that was very hard for her. Um, and I don't think a lot of the time people like consider the relationship between the sound person and the actor, but True. it's uh, it's something to think about because I mean you can hear them. Um, True. Like you're not supposed to be listening between takes, but a lot of the True. time you do hear a lot of, of stuff that they True. say. So True. I think that was that was something like an interesting experience, and I think that relationship was important. And just to add on to that, uh, one thing that I've come to realize is actually what's this when you spoke about the comfortability of the actor as well because i'm a male and I've, I've bumped into a lot of female actresses where I, I always ask for permission before i mic them up and a lot of the time i get a reaction where wait that's the first time any sound person has ever asked permission to touch me or mic me up so comfortability is, is a very important thing definitely yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a it's a very respectful thing. I mean, a lot of people um, just, you know, go, okay, this is my job, I should just do it. Or they feel yeah. too awkward, so they just don't address it at all. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's very important to to make sure that everybody's comfortable with everything that's happening always. Yeah. I mean, in every situation. Yeah. Ever. But especially in sound with microphones and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah I've also had that very str strange, like the first time I got to use the lapels at after, mm. I just had the two actresses and it was like okay how are we gonna do this but they were obviously I, i'd also known them for a while so it was like mm. um it was easier i think it was easier for them to just let me do it than me like okay I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know mm. but um but yeah definitely being respectful and asking and getting consent yeah um especially as the male is very important yeah any other collaborations maybe in post? I'll definitely second what Mark said with the editing thing. Um, we just yeah, like boy. had this like, um, I don't know what it's like, we had like telepathy with one another where we just like <laughs> knew what like, even on set together, we knew like Mark would like look at me if something was like off with an act or something, he'd look at me with dialogue or um, mm. if he was like, is like the footsteps too loud or like he would always like, on set it was perfect and then in post he was always in on um in studio with me like even helped me do the foley's um and it's always like nice to have this idea when you go down into edit and then mark the editor asks you is this okay if i do this because i know mm. on set it, like what you recorded on set might not like sync up or something might go out of sync or a cut might be too weird for dialogue to happen can you fix it so like it's getting that like pre-approval where you're like, okay, no, cool. I 
I see what you want to do. That's perfect. You can do it. And then we'll like figure it out together and sound. So that's like a great collaboration to have with your editor is understanding the cuts and the tempo and the rhythm of your form. Mm. And you can relay that to your own sound post. Um, I would say on set to have a good relationship with everyone in the technical department. Just like knowing the camera movement and like if you have a good relationship with them and you're like, look, your footsteps were loud when you did that track or something, mm. uh, they'll be fine with redoing the take. If you don't have a good relationship, they might just ignore you. Even though they know sound is needed, they wouldn't necessarily think it's important mm. but because you don't have that relationship they won't go the extra way for you yeah but i feel like for onset as well um your relationship with your ad is, is crucial uh your ad is actually the one who actually fights for you on set so they are the bond between ad and sound is, is a crucial one on set agreed he's gonna be the one who's like quiet yeah <laughs> we're doing room yeah. turn <laughs> Yeah. And then everybody has to listen. Yeah. What is it like at different levels of, of budget for sound um, on set and in post? I'll give you an example in my case where I'll take the um, Zansi Magic film and the web series I worked on. The web series, um, I did not get paid for that. And then, yeah, obviously the Zansi Magic film had a budget. So the one major thing difference that I saw was that for those productions that don't have budgets they always expect you to go above and beyond and most of the time when they expect you to go above and beyond it's a thing of there's only so much I can do you know there's literally only so much I can do and then when it comes to a production that has a budget they respect you in the capacity of they treat you as an HOD of a department so it's two different worlds for more like non-budgeted productions, I've noticed that you have to get your sound perfect on set because I know with my Mzanzi Magic film and I also did a web series, the editor cut the sound. They don't actually have an audio post-production team. So if you don't get it right on set, it's not like you don't have good audio in your final product. I've also found on like really low budgets, they don't really know why their quality might be bad if the location, for instance, was loud. But like, yeah. can't we make this less noisy? And we're like, no, we're in a yeah. construction site. I can't take out the construction site. And yeah. they're like, no, and we also want it tomorrow. Why can't you do this? So yeah, I feel like the the bigger the budgets, then like more considerate. Um, True. when it comes to True. that but I also feel like the bigger the budget the less attention on set like on set if you just do if you make sure you get what you need done like talk to the AD be like hey room tone uh, just now as long as you do that it's fine but if you're on a, a big budget thing and then you don't say anything you're going to get lost because there's so much going on yeah yeah and you're right like like for big budgets they give you all the space you need they literally treat, treat you like an HOD you're the head of department of sound. They leave you at that. No one's coming to question you about anything. And then you're right. Smaller productions. I had a similar situation. One day it was raining. They came to me. What, what can you do about? There's nothing I can do about the rain. 
you know, <laughs> and it's either we shoot this tomorrow or another day, or we have, we're going to have to use the audio we take today. So you're right. So what software do you guys use? Have you used any different software? What is sort of your experience with software, sound software? Um, I've used Logic for like cutting up stuff before. Um, and then I've also used, what's it called? Innuendo, I think it's called. I've tried to Nuendo, use that yeah. Nuendo that. Um, and that one was super technical to use. And then I've also done something in Fairlight on DaVinci, but... It wasn't much. It was just like a little bit of EQing, I think that was it, on DaVinci. Yeah. That was my experience as with Fairlight in DaVinci. It's, you can't really edit anything in it. It's just adding or doing levels, mixing, and adding plugins. Like You can't really add any tracks. You have to go to the Edit tab, and it's a, it's a very strange editing or sound workflow in DaVinci. Um, the rest of you guys? Um, Pro Tools is the only thing I've worked on. I mainly use Pro Tools. Well, at first I downloaded Pro Tools first until I realized it didn't read properly and Pro Tools first doesn't come with video. So I was like, oh, fantastic. I can't tell if it's in sync. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like me and a bunch of people bought Pro Tools. I like it. I know some people don't like it. A lot. I know a lot of people who prefer Nuendo. Uh, I just haven't used Nuendo. Uh, so maybe right. I'll switch sides, but I, I enjoy Pro Tools because it's just like a lot of plugins you can use. There's a lot of, like, I think you can have a hundred tracks on the Pro Tools that I have, Pro Tools 10, hundred tracks because I'm a maniac and I should probably not do that, but I enjoy it because it just lets you just do do more than anything else I've worked with. Yeah. I also like, I used to have hundreds of tracks. I would have like, three, four, five times more tracks than uh, most of the people. Um, and everybody would be like, whoa, why do you have so many tracks? But it's because I put everything in its own track. You know, it's like these, all these specific footsteps go into their track. I would end up with these tracks and I'd have to be on the, you know, those two studios had Pro Tools HD. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't, yeah. I physically couldn't work um, out there because I have too many tracks and it just feels thicker you know when your sound is thick with a few c's it <laughs> makes a difference <laughs> so from my experience with pro tools um i think it's called pro tools plus so the normal pro tools you can only have 256 tracks and when you're mixing a future film it's not enough tracks so yeah, I've never mixed like a future film out of after. I've only done sound effects. Um, yeah, so I would say like depending on what part of audio you're doing, a different type of Pro Tools or type of software. And I also don't want to be that person, but I'm. You can't see, but I'm currently recording in Pro Tools. <laughs> um, nice. Are nice. <laughs> the other programs as intensive as Pro Tools. Like I know you mentioned Logic, Nuendo. Um, are they as intensive? Are, are they as easy to use as Pro Tools? Um, Nuendo comes second best in like my opinion in terms of user interface. And the one nice thing I like about Nuendo is um, 
I think you can do it on Pro Tools anyway. It's just more technical on Pro Tools. It's like you can like put things into like folders so you can put like ambiences into a folder and then it drops down into all the tracks. So it makes it like easier to use on like CPU and stuff. That's the only benefit I saw from it. Other than that, it's like... You can do that in Pro Tools. I think you can only do it in 12.5, but it's kind of like grouping it and then you have to make it into like this little list thing and then yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, in New Render, all the, like, things that you want to do are, like, all, like, finicky and, like, you have to go through menus and stuff to find things. So I just say, like, rather stick to Pro Tools if need be. And I heard you talk about Logic as well. Um, uh, Logic's more, like, Logic's music, more, right? like, yeah, it's focused more. You oh. can use it for, like, recording stuff into, and I've recorded Foley into it because... Like Logic has this nice thing with the contact player and contact mm. player have a cool like Foley library you can use and then you can integrate that with your keyboard and then you can okay. like walk with your keyboard, like do footsteps oh. with your keyboard. That's really cool. Ah. Look it up. It's, con it's contacts Foley library. It's That's the only really cool thing you can do from Logic's that point of view. Sounds dope. I know um, Alex uses Cubase and he does that in Cubase. Does he use Cubase for sound design as well, not just music? Yeah, he uses Cubase in Ableton. There's also Adobe Audition, but Adobe Audition Your audition sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Your audition is the worst. I tried because I, I had my Pro Tools license and I had to cancel it because I wasn't using it often enough to justify. And I tried using Audition and it's <laughs> it's the worst. I'd rather use DaVinci than Audition. Um, I've been doing a lot of my sound work just in, in Premiere Pro, in the editing program. Um, it actually has a lot of cool like plugins and stuff you can add the same way you'd add it in Pro Tools. Obviously, it's mm. the, the default Pro Tools plugins are so much better because that's what they're made mm. for. But, um, you know, when I bought a couple of plugins and I've just been mainly, not for short forms, for short forms, I still like to just get my, you know, Pro Tools license for a month. But um, for you know any sort of video or client work or whatever, if if it's a low-paying job or you know if it doesn't need Pro Tools, uh, I'll just use Premiere. There's one more. There's one called Studio One as well. That one's also pretty dope. I've heard. I have. I've yeah. never used it. I just. I um, own Studio One because I use PreSonus, like the audio box and my mic and everything. But. For me, it's a lot easier for music to use Studio One, not for sound. Okay, so let's end it off with maybe you guys can just give some, um, you know, just some words for aspiring sound people. What would you have wanted to tell yourself before you decided this is what the thing that I'm going to do professionally? I'd say people may not always take you seriously when you're working, but when you're in the cinema, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Yeah. I would say to them or to my like younger self, watch as many films as possible and read up as much as you possibly can. There are hundreds of books about sound design and Foley and definitely beautiful things out there on the internet that you can find and just put your mind into that and definitely I stop doing that. research into sound. I would say like not to give up, like sound jobs are very scarce and 
just to learn to have a thick skin and persevere because when you do get that project and like Natasha said, when you watch it in cinemas, nothing beats that. Well, on my part, I'd, I'd like to say um, it's, it's also, it goes along with passion as well. Um, if, if you don't like sound in any way or form, you will not enjoy it at all. So my advice is, if you really want to do sound, at least, you know, have, have a passion for it or at least have some, some tangible love for it, you know, and you'll, you'll be a-okay. So thank you so much, Natasha, Beloyame, Alyssa, and Kevin. This was such a great conversation. I'm so happy we had it. Thank you guys so much. So Pleasure. insightful. So, yeah, uh, thank you so yeah. much, guys. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thank Bye. you, thank you. Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> So thanks to Peliame, Natasha, Kevin, and Alyssa for their awesome insights into sound. If you enjoyed this podcast and are looking to see more from us, we are also on YouTube, youtube.com slash looppictures. We release new videos every Tuesday and every Friday with a new short film on the first Friday of every month. So consider checking us out over there. And until next time, stay inside and make, make your, your movie. movie.